White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. McKnight. Oh, it is so good to have baseball back in our lives as the White Sox underway in the second half of the season. Tyler Aki in for Connor McKnight today. It is White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. We've got a doubleheader for you today. First pitch for game number one coming up at 1210. We'll have the FanDuel White Sox pregame show for you at 1130. Game two. We'll get going at 610 right here on the ESPN 1000 and across the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. So much to get to. It's been a busy week. And it's weird to say it's been a busy week because there haven't been a lot of games being played since we last talked here on White Sox Weekly. However, we did have the All-Star game. We did have the game last night between the White Sox and Guardians to start this four-game series. The MLB draft took place and a whole lot more all in the course of a week where there was very little baseball being played. But let's start with what went down last night. White Sox and Guardians. White Sox fall behind early. They get in a 6 nothing hole in the second inning. And after that, it's always going to be tough to dig yourself out of the holes like that one. Lucas Giolito wasn't as sharp as he would like to be. We had him on White Sox Weekly last week. And the one thing that he said about how he would define his first half was it was an inconsistent first half. We saw some of the better games that we've seen out of Lucas Giolito in the first half. We also saw some of... The struggles of Lucas Giolito in the first half. Last night certainly fell in the struggle category. Three innings, nine hits, six runs, all of them earned over the course of that outing and two strikeouts, including uh, and also one home run allowed in that stretch to Andre Jimenez. That came in the first, kind of set the tone. It's never easy when you allow your opponent to give up a four spot in that first inning then you're consistently working your way back. It was good, though. To see Tim Anderson continue his hitting out of the leadoff spot. He goes two for four. And Tim's going to be an integral part of what the White Sox do in this second half. You really saw what a different team the Sox were with and without Tim Anderson when he was on the IL in the first half with that groin injury. But with Tim in the lineup, he sets the tone for this team. He gets things going offensively. And even though he did make the air last night, he has had some really, really sharp plays in the field. He's made some plays that I don't think we've really seen out of Tim Anderson from the shortstop position over the course of his career. He has the knack for the flash, and we've seen it in the field. And he's also been good on the bases as well. He uh, stole another base last night, his 12th of the season. And he's one of those guys who you've heard DJ talk about it a lot. Throughout the course of this year, Tim showed up to camp in much better shape. And one of the goals that he set out for this season was to steal more bases. And it looks like we are going to get that out of Tim Anderson. We would love to hear from you as well here on White Sox Weekly. Anything on your White Sox brain, 312-332-3776-332-3776. The question that I'm pondering today, what or who is the most important player for you 
in the second half of this White Sox season. There's a number of names. Again, the White Sox hit the break at 46 and 46, right at 500. If you asked a lot of White Sox fans where you thought they would be after 92 games, I think a lot of them would tell you they were expecting in the neighborhood of between 7, 10, maybe even more above 500. Obviously not the case. And, hey, you've got a chance today to get above 500 for the first time since May 22nd, which is funny to say. The White Sox entered today at 46 and 47, one game below, but that's the beauty of doubleheaders. You've got a chance to get ahead of the curve here and get back above that 500 threshold. So 312-332-3776, we'd love to hear from you on the program today. We will talk with Connor McKnight. That's coming up at 10 o'clock this morning. He is out at the ballpark, and he's got some play-by-play duties across the board this weekend. So we will talk to Connor about all of that. We're also going to talk to Kurt Bloom. He is the double-A announcer for the Birmingham Barons, who will get his big league call-up on Sunday. He's going to call the game alongside Len Casper tomorrow in the uh, series finale against the Cleveland Guardians, that game tomorrow at 110. Looking forward to that conversation with Kurt Bloom. 31 years with the Birmingham Barons. Any White Sox, your favorite White Sox player, probably had their games called by Kurt Bloom down in Birmingham, um, including your favorite Bulls player as well may have had his games called down in Birmingham. Michael Jordan spent some time, of course, with the double-A squad down there. So we will talk with Kurt. He's got stories on stories, and he's just a great baseball brain as well. Great to have him on the call alongside Len Casper for tomorrow's game. All right, so getting into some of the other notable stuff that happened this week. Unfortunately for the White Sox, the injury bug biting once again for this team in both a good and a bad way, all right? So let's start with the good news here. Yasmani Grandal is back with the White Sox. He returned to the lineup yesterday, batted fifth. He does go 0 for 4, did not get a run, also struck out a pair of times here. Yasmani's going to be, when I talk about most important players for the second half, I won't be shocked if I get a lot of Yasmani Grandal calls today because he certainly is someone coming into today hitting 181, a 520 OPS, not the numbers that you would expect out of Yasmani Grandal. However, we have seen in second halves before where Yasmani gets hot. He figures things out at the plate, and all of a sudden, a 180 average turns into 230, turns into 250, and that's more of the Yasmani that we're accustomed to. The power numbers start to rise a little bit. And I think him coming off of the IL it was it was probably a much-needed break for Yasmani to get his legs back underneath him. Hopefully, we will see better things out of Grandal in the second half of this season. Unfortunately for the White Sox, the reciprocal move for uh, Yasmani Grandal coming back up to the big club was that Luis Robert. His situation has not improved, and that's something that I think is very concerning for a lot of White Sox fans. Robert, if you remember, left the game a little over a week ago on Friday against the Twins leading into the All-Star break with lightheadedness. That has persisted and unfortunately has landed him on the IL retroactive to Tuesday. Rick Hahn met with the media yesterday to discuss Luis Robert, his departure from the team and going to the IL and what's ahead to get him right and back in the White Sox lineup. 
Luis Robert left the game in Minnesota. Uh, at the time, he was experiencing some lightheadedness as well as some blurred vision. Interestingly enough, it was affecting him more in the field than it was at the plate. We have gone through a handful of tests in Minnesota as well as Chicago, and at this point, uh, his symptoms have not fully resolved, and as a result, we're going to place him on the IL today, retroactive to last Tuesday. That will make him eligible to return next Friday, today, when we're back home against Oakland, and at this time, we are cautiously optimistic that he'll be able to return at that time. Uh, obviously, I don't have all the information exactly on on the timeline, but that's very tentatively what we're what we're looking at right now. Do you know what the situation? I mean, have they been able to pinpoint what's not, not as of yet? We haven't been able to have the symptoms entirely resolved. Once they do, he'll be back out there. Uh, you may even see him in the next day or so out there starting on some drills. Hasn't done any baseball activities since leaving that game, so we're now we're now looking at a week without baseball activities, and we're going to have to. Obviously, prudently ramp him back up. Maybe yeah, a weird question is: are the, are the symptoms like persistent during his everyday life, or just kind of? Uh, again, it was more a problem of seeing from a distance. Mm-hmm. And in talking with Luis over the last few days, he really hasn't been challenged in in that regard in terms of reading a ball off a bat. So at this time, everything seems to have been more or less the status quo since he left that game. Certainly, no deterioration. So that's Rick Hahn, general manager for the White Sox. And it's going to be interesting to see what Luis is like. Blurred vision is not something to mess around with. And obviously the vision such a crucial, crucial part at the plate, in the field. You heard Rick Hahn mention there, too. It's affecting him more in the field than it is at the plate. So certainly a situation to monitor health-wise for a White Sox team where the injury bug was certainly a persistent part and a crucial part to why the White Sox did not finish above 500 in the first half of this 2022 season. 312-332-3776 if you want to jump on into the conversation as well. We are asking you, who is the most important White Sox player for this second half? And there's so many that you can kind of pinpoint down through the list. But let's head on out to the phones right now. Ron is on the south side. Ron, thanks so much for calling into White Sox Weekly. What's on your mind today? Uh, I have two things. For me, the most important player is Yohan Mankata. Yohan Mankata is probably the most versatile uh, player. You can hit him in a, in a, in a different spot. You can hit second, third, maybe fifth. He can produce uh, runs for you, uh, and when he's on, uh, he walks quite a quite a bit. But and the reason I say he's probably the most important because I need to really see who Yohan Mankata is. I think it was after the nineteen season; it was projected he could possibly be an MVP. Uh, he's been hurt. Then there's just been poor performances. And, and when I say that he's probably the most important, because it's not only this season when the so-called rebuild was beginning. Yohan Mankata was one of the key players that the White Sox were being optimistic about. So that, that, that that's it. But again, like I said, he, he's, he's a switch hitter. Uh, and his, his defense is, is as good as Tim is. And Louis Roberts is, 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 we know how good he is, but I still think, Yohan Mankata might be the really most versatile and important player. Now, my other point is I, I have some concerns 
about the White House pitching. Certainly you can never get enough pitching. Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn is struggling. Uh, Michael Kopech. We have to see how far he can go. He's never gone a whole season as a starter. So, uh, lastly, it's been, oh, lastly, no team wins their division when they play uh, under 500, almost 10 games under 500 at home. Until this team wins at, at home, hits home runs, which that, that the team was designed at home, it's just it's it's really inexplicable. It's just you know that's I, I want to get be optimistic about the White Sox, but it, it's it's a lot of question marks. So thanks for letting me get those comments in. Have a good day. You as well, Ron, and and some salient points there by Ron. We'll run through the the laundry list here that he he lined up for us. So. First, with the home road record, yes. Very rare to see teams make the playoffs with sub-500 home records. I mean, you look at the best teams in baseball. You just look, look at the AL East right now. Every single team in the AL East is above 500 at home. Most most teams finish above 500 at home just because it's inherent that you're going to be better at home than you are on the road. However... I guess where the White Sox are making up ground here is the fact that their road record has been one of the best in all of baseball, 27 and 21 right now. They've got the fourth most road wins, or rather the tied for the fourth most road wins in all uh, of the American League right now. So they have been a really strong team on the road. Now you'd like to see that translate at guaranteed rate field as well, especially in front of those hometown fans. The other thing that Ron brought up was Yohan Moncada. And I think one of the promising things heading into the All-Star break was that it looked like Yohan Moncada had started to figure things out. He had really struggled through the first two, two and a half months of the season. However, the final 10 games leading into the break, Yohan Moncada was hitting 300 with a 378 on base percentage. He was walking more. He was hitting with a little more power. He was driving guys in. He was hitting for extra bases. And if that's the Yohan Moncada that you're going to see in the second half, that's certainly a promising figure for the White Sox to not just win the division. The goal this year for the White Sox should not be to win the division. It should be making some noise in the playoffs itself. Now, getting to the playoffs for the White Sox probably entails winning the division this season. And I think that Yohan Moncada, another thing that Ron pointed out, his versatility. He can hit in a number of spots across the order for you. But not just that. He is your best defensive infielder. The one thing you can look at everything that went down with Yohan Moncada in the first half. His defense was there. And I think that's going to be the thing that I'm looking for. I I know what I'm getting out of Yohan Moncada defensively. You hope everything stays healthy with him. We have seen him on the IL or miss some time over the course of this first half, and you'd like that to not be a factor into his second half. But one of the things with Moncada, too, is just get the bat on the ball as well. There were a number of times, especially in that Minnesota series, where he wasn't necessarily hitting the ball hard, but he was just getting the bat on the ball and making opponents pay for whether they shifted on him or just... Being in getting the ball, sometimes you have to get lucky in this game. I mean, look at a number of Cleveland's hits last night. How many how many base hits did Cleveland have where the exit velocity was not over eighty miles per hour off the bat last night? 
I'll have to go back. I'll, I'll check the numbers on that. But there were not a lot of hard-hit balls against Lucas Giolito last night. Unfortunately, they were just pinpointed in the right spots, and the Guardians were able to make some noise on the base pass as a result of that. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Who is your most important player for the White Sox in the second half? And we'll also hear some sights and sounds from the All-Star game as well. That's coming up next. Sox fans, join us on Friday, July 29th for Sox Crawl presented by Vizzy. Purchase this ticket package for an exclusive entry to a pregame crawl beginning at 3.30 before the White Sox take on the Athletics at 7.10. Enjoy food and drink specials, play games, win prizes, and more. Tickets on sale now. Get yours at whitesox.com slash crawl. We want to hear your most important players for the second half and anything else on your White Sox mind as well. White Sox Weekly will be right back on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox. Network. Playing shortstop from the Chicago White Sox, Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson on a one-two pitch, grounds one of the hold it short, pass the diving Turner. That's a base hit. From the Chicago White Sox, Liam Hendricks. Fly to center field. Yes. Julio's got it. Come on! There you go, Liam. Don't throw the ball away! Julio! Julio! Give me the ball! Give me the ball! Some of the sights and sounds from our latest All-Star game earlier this week as the AL took down the NL 3-2. Always a fun time. Always fun hearing Liam Hendricks on the broadcast as well. Tim Anderson getting a hit also was a part of a entertaining double play as well. It's White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Tyler Rocky in for Connor McKnight. We will hear from Connor in just a little bit. He will join the program coming up at 10 o'clock today. And he's got play-by-play duties uh, scattered across the board. So you will be hearing a lot of Connor McKnight over the course of the next two days. Hey, spend your summer at the ballpark with Miller Lite bleachers and brews. Get one ticket and two beers starting at $27. Must be 21 and over with a valid ID to purchase tickets. Visit WhiteSox.com slash brew. We've been talking this morning about your most important players Heading into this second half for the White Sox, currently at 46 and 47 after last night's loss to Cleveland, 8 to 2, struggle for Lucas Giolito. He's been inconsistent in the first half, and he would be an answer for, I think, a lot of people in this question. Who is your most important player? In the second half for the White Sox, 312-332-3776. We've already gotten a couple people chime in, say Yohan Moncada. Here's mine. And it's a guy who we didn't see a lot of in the first half of the season. My guy's Aloy Jimenez because this is a White Sox team that has struggled in the power department so far this year. Aloy Jimenez is one of those guys who, if healthy for a full season, he's got 40 home run potential. His career high 31 that came his rookie season over the course of 122 games. Unfortunately for Aloy, through... No fault of his own, but there have been injury problems and a shortened season. He has not played more than 55 games in a season since that rookie campaign back in 2019. But when the power has been there, the White Sox have won games. Looking at the record for the Sox in games where Aloy Jimenez homers this season in 2022, the White Sox are 2-0 when Aloy goes yard. Last season, the White Sox were 8-0. So do the math there. The last 10 games that Aloy Jimenez has hit a home run, the White Sox have won all of them. 
10 straight. In 2020, they were 12 and 2. And in 2019, they were 18 and 9. Overall, that's a 40 and 11 record for a 784 winning percentage when Eloy Jimenez hits a home run. That for me is going to be the biggest thing I'm watching for because if the ball starts leaving the yard for the White Sox, we saw a lot of games where there are a lot of runners stranded. And I think, or we even saw games too where there were just solo home runs. And I think having a guy like Aloy, who usually hits somewhere between five and six for you, occasionally you'll see him in the four spot. We do have a, a White Sox lineup today, and there is no Aloy Jimenez in game number one. I'll get you that full lineup after I talk to Connor. But when Aloy is in that lineup and he is hitting the ball hard, and we've seen a lot of hard contact out of Aloy Jimenez over the course of his White Sox career, it has led to a lot of White Sox victories in that time. And I think for a, a team that needs to start scoring in bunches, look at yesterday's game against Cleveland. The, the Guardians came out and scored in bunches early on. We've seen a number of games for the White Sox, both for better and for worse, get decided in the first three innings where one team goes out, they'll get three or four runs, and it'll feel like it's out of reach, and it feels like there's games where the hitting and the pitching sinks up. I think a perfect example of that in the winning department was the White Sox against the Twins in the final game before the All-Star break. The White Sox go out. They win 11-0. They jump all over the Twins early on. Dylan sees phenomenal, and as a result, no doubt about it, a start-to-finish wire-to-wire White Sox victory, and you're feeling pretty good about yourself going into the All-Star break, having won five of six, all of which coming against divisional opponents that were above you in the standings. Now, the White Sox have a number of those games in this second half. I think one of the other important things to look at in the second half is that the White Sox only play three first-place teams in the second half. The schedule should ease up considerably. You're pretty much done against the AL East, which... There is no debate right now who the best division in all of baseball is. It is the AL East. You look at every single team in there. Baltimore lost last night. If it weren't for that, every single team in the division would be at 500 or better. But if you look at even, let's just take the run differential, for example, here, all right? No team in the AL East right now has a run differential worse than minus eight. You look at every other division in baseball, And you've got a lot of teams with run differentials at minus 100 or worse. I think the only other division that does not have a team with a minus 100 or worse run differential is the NL West, who I think everyone can agree is the second best division in all of baseball right now. So the schedule should get considerably easier for the White Sox in the second half. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to perform. And you're specifically going to have to perform against your division as well. 312-332-3776. If you want to hop on into the conversation, talking all things White Sox, my most important player for the second half, Aloy Jimenez. I need to see the power from Aloy, and I just need to see his presence in the lineup as well. I want to hear from you. I'd love to get your most important player, 332-3776. When we come back, we will hear from Connor McKnight. But first, I do want to pause 10 seconds for station identification here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network.
in your life after the example of Jesus. So all those things are available to people on hegetsus.com. Jason, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank you. What's up, everybody? It's Adam Abdallah. Start the second half of the baseball season the right way and turn K's into cash and big hits into big wins with FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just sign up using the promo code Abdallah, A-B-D-A-L-L-A. Place your first bet and FanDuel will give you up to $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. Find out why there's no better place to bet America's pastime than on America's number one sportsbook and my number one sportsbook, the FanDuel sportsbook app they've got great promotions every single day the app is safe and secure and the best part is when you win you get paid fast so download the FanDuel sportsbook app and sign up using the promo code abdallah that's a b d a l l a to get started with your no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars that's promo code abdallah a b d a l l a you must be 21 or over and present in illinois first online real money wager only refund issued as a non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days restrictions apply see terms at sportsbook.fandle.com gambling problem call 1-800 Gambler. With America's best warranty and complimentary maintenance, plus available premium features like wireless device charging, the Hyundai Tucson, Santa Fe, and Kona SUVs make every street easy street. Get 2.99% APR for 48 months or 500 bonus cash on the Santa Fe with new inventory arriving daily. See your local Chicago and Northwest Indiana Hyundai dealer today. Offers end August 1st. Call 224-661-0068 for details. Money saved through energy efficiency can directly benefit a business's bottom line. That's why businesses throughout Northern Illinois are partnering with the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program to find up to 35% in energy savings, resulting in lower energy costs for their facilities. Because at ComEd, we're powering your business's future. Learn more at comed.com slash poweringbiz. ComEd, powering lives. Savings figure is hypothetical only. Actual savings will vary based on the measures implemented and on customers' usage and rate. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Tyler Aki in for Connor McKnight. Join the White Sox as they take on the Oakland Athletics on Saturday, July 30th at 6.15. Get to the ballpark early as the first 20,000 fans will receive a Mini Minoso replica Hall of Fame plaque presented by Rush. For tickets, visit whitesox.com slash promos. Let's welcome on in the man who's usually in this seat on Saturday mornings. You'll hear him all day long today on the play-by-play alongside Len Casper for game one and alongside Steve Stone for game number two. It's Connor McKnight joining us now on White Sox Weekly. Good morning, Connor, and welcome back from your All-Star break. How was your All-Star break? Morning, Tyler. All-Star break was fantastic. I was uh, telling Tom Waddle and Jeff Meller yesterday that, uh, you know, you get to the last few days before the All-Star break in any given season and you kind of start to forget what day it is. You just operate by what game, what, what the game time is on any given day. Uh, Eric Ostrowski and I were both feeling that a little bit heading up to the break. So we recharged the batteries some and are ready to go for the second half. Got to see some family. Got to enjoy the fine town of Minneapolis. You know, the whole thing. It was good. Uh, I hope your time off was good as well. It was. You know, I always remember one thing you told me during the baseball season is it is binary for me. Do I have White Sox Weekly today? Do I not exactly. have White Sox Weekly today? That's how this thing works. Yep, that's really how it works. And and it's, you know, 
Thank goodness for a, for a simple life like that. How lucky is it that we get to work <laughs> in baseball and really the determination of our day is, is it a day game or a night game? Who won or lost? All right, let's pick it up and do it again tomorrow. This, uh, this game I, I think is beautiful for a whole bunch of reasons, Tyler, but, but truly the, the one thing that keeps repeating is the fact that tomorrow's game comes for you whether you're ready or not, so your choice is to get ready for the ball game, and that's true for everybody here at the ballpark and obviously uh, more true for the players on hand. All right, so the question we've been discussing this morning, Connor, is who is the most important player? for the second half of this White Sox season. My personal pick is Aloy Jimenez. What is your pick for this uh, most important player for the second half? Well, I'll give you the political answer first, and that one is, listen, the White Sox are three and a half games behind the Minnesota Twins right now, which means that over the final 71 games, they've got to be three and a half games better, four games better than the Minnesota Twins. And in order to do that, I think everybody's got to be really important. Point of the questions taken, though, and I think it comes down to Yoan Moncada and Yasmani Grandal. And I know those aren't, it's not one guy, but this team needs uh, patient hitters who can work walks and preferably do damage from the left side. And Yasmani Grandal and Yoan Moncada both fit that bill when they're going well. Even when, and this is, I think, what makes the White Sox still as much a favorite as they are in a lot of playoff odds, whether you like fan graphs or baseball reference or savant or wherever you're looking. The White Sox, even if they got, I don't know, call it 70% of what Yasmani Grandal did post-surgery last year or 70% of Yoan Moncada's 2019, 80% of his last season, they would still be benefiting in a huge way relative to where they were offensively in the first, you know, 82 games of the season. And I, I think that's a big thing for the White Sox in terms of potential. On the other side of things, you've got to pitch a little bit better. It feels weird to say, but you have to pitch a little bit better um, than you have over the last couple of weeks. Granted, it's not been the biggest issue for the White Sox, but you also have to pick it up and throw it over to first. And those kinds of things on the margins are going to be huge for the White Sox too. But I, I guess, you know, as I, as I ramble and pick one player... I'm going to go ahead and say Yasmani Grandal. I think that guy might just be the most important White Sox in the final run here. And, and that's a good one, too, because the White Sox right now currently last in all of baseball in walks per game. Yasmani's someone who can alleviate a lot of that. And we saw last year when he got healthier, we saw little surges from Yasmani Grandal, kind of like we saw little surges from Yoan Moncada. And if you're getting those synced up at the right time, that can be really helpful for this White Sox team. I, I think you're right. I, I think even last night, you know, you saw that approach from Yasmani Grandal. He had an RBI ground out that he worked a deep count in. He struck out in the first with a couple of runners on, but he got it to a 3-1 count. I mean, he went up there and was automatically in the 2-0 seat. Got, a, I think, a, a 3-0 count before going to 3-1 on a really good, you know, it was 2-1, and then looked at a fastball that he was just going to roll over. It was a really good pitch. Uh, by last night's starter for the Guardians. And I, I think, you know, taking that pitch means something, right? You don't want to roll that thing over. You're not feeling that well. Cal Quantrill wants you to swing at that one. And then he chased the fastball a little farther outside. So that's a good job of battling by Quantrill. Um, but you can see the the foundation, I think, is probably a good way of putting it for Grandall. I, I think... You know, you've got to protect him a little bit. Tony La Russa told Len Casper that on the pregame show yesterday. The White Sox are still going to have to protect 
Yasmani Grandal health-wise, I-, I think. But carrying three catchers now allows you to do that in some different ways. That might clunk up the roster just a little. You know, there's only one DH spot on either side of the of the NL and AL. There's not two. Uh, so the White Sox will have to juggle that a little bit. But three catchers, I think, is the right way to go for this lineup right now. Connor McKnight with us here on White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. You will hear Connor all day today alongside Len Casper for game number one and then alongside Steve Stone for game number two. All right, so do you have a day set in mind? Maybe not a day, but maybe like a week threshold. I want to see the White Sox in first place by this time, and then I'll feel really comfortable that they'll win the division. Ooh, I like this. I would, I mean, listen, you, you would have liked, if you were asking me this question last Saturday, I would have said Sunday. I would have said tomorrow because the White Sox have the doubleheader today against Cleveland, and then they've got Sunday against, uh, against Cleveland as well before taking a day off and then going to the Rockies Tuesday and Wednesday. Trade deadline's August 2nd. You've got a bit of a tough stretch. I mean, listen, the White Sox have one of the easiest schedules in baseball. I think, you think the St. Louis Cardinals, by virtue of the Cubs losing a whole bunch of games, now have the easiest schedule remaining in baseball. But the White Sox are there at second or third. Let's say before you come back home to face the Detroit Tigers on August 11th, that would be a good measure, I think. The White Sox will have made their trades by August 2nd. That's the deadline. The White Sox are back home to face the Tigers for three Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the 12th, 13th, and 14th. And then they host the Houston Astros, who are, oh my goodness. I mean, everybody talks about the Yankees and what they've been doing. I, I think the Astros are super thrilled to be, you know, more or less flying under the radar with the Yankees taking all the headlines. That is one dangerous baseball team. Uh, but let's, let's call it that. Let's call it August 11th would make me feel comfortable. Yeah, would would not shock me if we see the Astros maybe end up with the number one overall seed with the way that they've been playing. I mean, Jeremy Pena, <laughs> you talk about a replacement for Carlos Correa just out of nowhere. That's been oh my word, ideal yeah, he's for fantastic. Them. And and listen, you know the Yankees aren't there and in first place only because of how they've been able to to make their bullpen work with Aroldis Chapman not being very good over the last two weeks, but the injury to Michael King uh, and that fractured elbow, which it looks like it's going to take him some time, that does two things, I think, for the American League contender picture. That takes the Yankees and puts them in maybe a little bit more of a, I don't know, fragile spot, but it also means the Yankees are now another team looking for relief help. Contenders add relievers. You know that, Tyler. We talk mm-hmm. about this all the time. That's just what contenders Whether do. Whether they need it or not, exactly. they add relievers. And they've done it for 150 years, right? Like, this isn't new. Uh, but now the Yankees have an area of need to go attack, and I don't think they're going to trade one of their top prospects in Anthony Volpe. Uh, but they've got a pretty decent farm system behind him to go ahead and attack some of their issues as well. You, just, you didn't need another buyer, I think, in the marketplace, but the Yankees have become one suddenly. Yeah, it's, it's, it is unfortunate for a lot of contenders right now who probably need the bullpen help a little bit more, especially when there aren't a lot of teams scoring runs at the rate that the Yankees are these days. Okay, so Connor McKnight with us here on, on White Sox Weekly. A couple of things that I'm looking for in the second half, all right? What to you is most important for the White Sox to get a hold of the division and set yourself up for some playoff success? Is it making a trade, health, or guys playing to their ability? Guys playing to their ability, and I, and I and I don't think it's close. I think those other things are important. Health is, you know, I, I almost take health at this point and go, you know, the big shoulder shrug emoji. Mm-hmm. I, 
I hope it's good. And obviously you can't win without it, but I don't know that there's anything beyond what the White Sox have done, what any team has done to keep their players healthy. You know, there's one, there's not one, I like this phrase a lot, there's not one magical trick at the bottom of the website that you can scroll to and click and then, you know, scroll through like the 15 different uh, slideshow pictures and then get to your one weird trick. That's not here for any baseball team. It's just not. So I would say it's guys playing to their abilities. That includes Luis Robert when he comes back off the injured list. Yoan Moncada, Yasmani Grandal, Eloy Jimenez. That's just a lot of guys with a lot of potential that can do a lot of damage against this schedule here in the last couple of months. So I think that's A number one. I, I think the trade deadline will matter. But really, when you think about it, at least from my perspective, Tyler, I don't know how you feel, it, it shouldn't matter as much as other teams because the talent is here, that's right. what we've been saying all season long, and the White Sox farm system isn't what other teams are at this mm-hmm. point. And, and that's okay, and you can get around that and you can see the reasons why it's there. But that also means that you're more than likely not trading for you know that guy, right? You're not trading for a, a midseason savior, so to speak. You're trading for fill-in pieces, which can be really important and, and are critical to go get done. But it's got to be the guys here that get done what you need in order to make a push at the Central. I totally agree with you there. And I think it'll feel like you made a couple trades. If some of these guys get back to the level, if Johan Moncada continues the way he wrapped up the final 10 games of the first half, if Yasmani Grandal returns from injury and plays to the way that the White Sox hoped when they signed him to that contract, if you get Lance Lynn back to the place where he was, I'm with you there. I think that it's going to feel like you made a couple of trades. I know Rick Hahn addressed this yesterday as well. He talked about relief pitching, pretty much a given what they're going to target at the trade deadline. But yeah. what else do you see in the cards for Rick Hahn as the August 2nd deadline approaches? Well, truly, I don't think you can overstate relief pitching as an area. I mean, remember, Tanner Banks is the only left-hander that's currently employed by the Major League roster here. You know, I, there, there isn't another one. The White Sox are all right-handed in the starting rotation. Everybody out of the bullpen, save Tanner Banks, is a left-hander. Aaron Bummer is not throwing from the mound yet. He is playing catch. Uh, so hopefully, you know, you're, you're getting bummer back soon here, but there's a ramp-up period for a guy like that, too, so that the time begins to become an enemy here for Aaron Bummer as well. I do think that there could be, you know, listen, it would not be a terrible idea to get an outfielder in the mix from my perspective. Uh, what that guy looks like, if that's a Tyler Naquin or, you know, something like that, maybe, maybe there's something of that area you want to go ahead and get. I think the White Sox, because of the health that we were talking about and you know, just because of the mix that's here, you could use another, um, another uh, better defensive outfielder that can still swing it a little bit. Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets and Eloy Jimenez are doing the best they can out there in the corners, and all of them, I mean, Gavin especially over the last three weeks or so, we haven't seen Vaughn in the outfield over the last few because he's, they've been trying to get him DH appearances and first base work. But they've gotten a lot better. They are still not natural outfielders, Sheets and Vaughn. Um, so you could use a bit more range. I think corner outfield defense, outfield defense in general, is a crucial area in this uh, this generation, this era of baseball that we're playing. And I think the White Sox can get better there. Second base is, you know, we, we've been chirping about second base for a while, Tyler, but Josh Harrison has yeah. been really good. And maybe you want to find him a platoon partner, maybe. Uh, that's somebody who can handle things against righties a little bit better than Harrison has. But, you know, if if the trade chips have to go, 
in one spot offensively and not the other, I guess I would take you know some of that outfield help as opposed to someone who could fill at second base uh, and be the short side of a platoon. Or I guess it would be the, the strong side of the platoon, but either way. Yeah. Connor McKnight with us here on White Sox Weekly. you got a busy weekend this weekend. You've got double duty today with both ends of the doubleheader, and then you're on TV tomorrow alongside Stoney, correct? I am. Yeah, we'll do. Uh, I'll do the first game here today with Len Casper. We'll do the second game with Steve Stone right here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network, and then first game tomorrow. Well, I guess the only game tomorrow here at Guaranteed. First Ray and Field. last. Yep. Yeah, first and last. I get to uh, open and close the ballpark. I'll be on television on NBC Sports Chicago with Steve Stone, and um, that's going to be a real trip, man. I- I'll tell you, I don't think Stoney's in the building yet, so I- I'll say it here, and maybe we'll just all you know agree to not say it. Working with Steve Stone is going to be incredible. I mean, I, as as everyone who grew up a Chicagoan and is my age, I learned a lot about baseball from Steve Stone. Having the opportunity to go call a game alongside Steve is going to be a trip, uh, and I think uh, surreal is the word c- that comes to mind more than anything else. It's it's going to be like looking at the guy to your right and saying, hey, you know, when I learned about baseball from you in 2002, here are the couple of things that you said. Do you still think those things? You know, I mean, we could... We could do that whole thing on the broadcast. We probably won't, but we could. I think I'm about Steve to. Kind of guy. I think I'm about to elicit a verbal eye roll out of you from this. But there's a TikTok trend going on right now. It's like 13 year old me would be freaking out if he saw what current me would be doing. And I feel like that's kind of you right here, working with Stony for a couple of games. A little bit, a little bit. 13 year old me feels more and more like uh, like he was in black and white now than it than it used to. You know, I used to feel young <laughs> and hip and with it and whatnot. And now I think those. Those old pictures of Connor are covered in patina and probably shot in some sort of, you know, what is, what's the filter? Sativa? No, Sepia? Sepia, that's it. Sativa's a whole different act. <laughs> you don't want to put that on photos. Uh, but no, this is, I mean, it's, it's wild. It's absolutely wild. I, don't, I, I think if you'd have told 13-year-old me you were doing this, uh, I think you would have asked whether or not he'd gotten into that stash. That was, uh, it's been really amazing. It's, it's going to be a really cool weekend, and I'm, I'm truly, I mean, truly thankful for it. And, and to you too, Tyler, because... You know, we've got to have teammates who are uh, willing, capable, and, um, and, and able to step in, and, and you're just uh, so awesome to have uh, fill in on White Sox Weekly and the pre- and post-game show. You do a terrific, terrific job. Well, I appreciate that, Connor. Thanks to you for joining us. Best of luck this weekend. We'll be listening and watching. All right. Take it easy, Tyler. That's Connor McKnight. You'll hear him for both games today, and then he's got TV duties alongside Steve Stone tomorrow on NBC Sports Chicago. When we come back, we'll get you the White Sox lineup and everything else you need to get ready for today's game as well. Hey, August 6th is International Trading Card Day, and Tops wants to celebrate with you. Visit your participating local hobby shop where you will receive a free pack of cards plus a special card if you purchase $10 or more of Tops products while supplies last. Post your packs on social media using the hashtag TOPSITCD and follow along with at Tops. Visit Tops.com for more. We'll get you the lineup and we will also hear from Kurt Bloom, announcer for the AA Birmingham Barons, who will be on the call alongside Len Casper for tomorrow's series finale. That's all coming up next. It's White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Achieve peace of mind over what is most important to you with Swan security cameras from Menards. Swan cameras are easy to install and can connect to your Wi-Fi so you can monitor activity from your smartphone. And they work with Google Assistant and Alexa. Save 11% on all Swan security cameras now at Menards. Good through July 24th. Savings are mail-in rebate. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. Save big money. 
It's summer. Time to plan your summer road trip. Hitting the road with confidence starts at Oaklawn Toyota. Take advantage of 3.9% APR financing on a certified pre-owned Toyota. Or if it's time for that new ride you've been dreaming of, Oaklawn Toyota has vehicles in stock and more arriving daily. Bring in your current vehicle for a quick appraisal and get a value you never thought possible. Get to Oaklawn Toyota on 95th Street or visit oaklawntoyota.com today. With approved credit through Toyota Financial Services on select models, offers expire at 831.22. See dealer for details. We've all put off a trip to the doctor when we're not feeling right. If you're experiencing pain or find that limited movement is keeping you from doing the things you love, don't wait to get care. With more board-certified, fellowship-trained orthopedic doctors than anyone in the region, Illinois Bone and Joint Institute offers a full range of orthopedic care for both adults and children, including diagnostic and rehabilitation services. Visit IBJI.com to start your path to recovery. Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. Move better, live better. You're busy. You have a life. So we'll keep this simple. Switch to insure on the spot and save money on your auto insurance payments. That's it. No gimmicks. No gotchas. Just a free quote in two minutes with payments as low as $49 a month. Insure on the spot provides affordable, quality coverage for everyone at the lowest rate. Call Chicagoland's number one auto insurance agency today. 773-202-5060 or visit insureonthespot.com. 73% of online experiences begin with a search engine. Are you on page one? SEO Level Up is a dedicated team of local search engine optimization experts that will put you ahead of the competition. They dive deep into analytics and develop an online winning strategy that will drive qualified leads to your business. No need for bloated pay-per-click ads. Make SEOLevelUp.com your digital marketing team. Call 224-600-4353 or visit SEOLevelUp.com for a free website audit. What's up, everyone? Zetterman here. Start the second half of the baseball season the right way and turn K's into cash and big hits into big wins with FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just sign up using the promo code Zetterman, my last name, place your first bet, and FanDuel will give you up to $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. I'm going to bet the Yankees to win the World Series. How can you not love what Aaron Judge and the Yankees are doing at plus 300? And I'm going to bet our Chicago White Sox to win the AL Central at plus 125. I love betting on FanDuel. They've got great promotions every single day. It is a safe and secure app and most importantly, when you win, you get paid fast. There's no better place to bet on America's pastime than on America's number one sportsbook. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using the promo code Zetterman to get started with your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. 21 plus and present in Illinois. First online real money wager only. Refund issued is now a drawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800- gambler before you make it to the big leagues you have to master the fundamentals in baseball that could mean years honing a slider but for you it could mean as little as seven months at eti school of skilled trades start your career in welding or hvacr with hands-on training we offer day and evening classes to fit your schedule step up to the majors visit eticampus.edu or call 888-830-7678 to learn more eti it's your future own it Welcome back. It's White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Tyler Rocky in for Connor McKnight. We just wrapped up our conversation with Connor today. 
If you missed any of that, go check it out on the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you get your podcast. Just search for White Sox Weekly. We got a pair of lineups ready for you for game number one between the White Sox and the Guardians. Good pitching matchup today. Tristan McKenzie gets the ball for Cleveland. Johnny Cueto for the White Sox. Cueto was certainly the revelation of the first half for this White Sox team. And we'll look to continue that in the second half as well. Here's your starting nine for game number one for the White Sox. It leads off with a fresh face. Josh Harrison will lead off for Tony La Russa, followed by Yoan Moncada. Andrew Vaughn batting third and is in left field. Jose Abreu over at first. Yasmani Grandal will designate it hit. Gavin Sheets out in right field. Sebi Zavala, Leori Garcia, and Adam Engel, 7-8-9. Zavala doing the catching. Leori at short and Engel out in center field. On the other side for Tito Francona. Stephen Kwan will lead off for the Guardians, followed by Ahmed Rosario, Jose Ramirez, Franmil Reyes in the cleanup spot, 5-6-7, Andres Jimenez, who hit the home run last night. Owen Miller is over at first base, Nolan Jones out in right, Austin Hedges behind the plate, and Miles Straw out in center field. So there is your lineup for game number one. Game number two today will feature Lance Lynn looking to get back on track after a tough first half to the season marred by injuries and some struggles on the mound as well he'll be opposed by connor pilkington for the guardians so some good pitching matchups today a lot of name value certainly and guys who have gotten it done not just this season but in the past as well so should be some good ones for you that we'll have on the white Sox radio network all day today you know we've been asking you all day Who is the most important player for the second half for this White Sox team? I've given my answer, Aloy Jimenez. Connor gave his answer. He likes both Yoan Moncada and Yasmani Grandal, although he was leaning towards Yoan Moncada as his most important player for the second half. We've gotten a couple other responses. Aaron Bummer's name has been floating on Twitter a little bit because you heard Connor say, not a lot of lefties on this White Sox pitching staff and bullpen right now. None in the starting rotation. Right now, Tanner Banks is your lone lefty. And Aaron Bummer, getting him back and doing the things that we've seen Aaron Bummer do over the course of his career would be certainly beneficial for this White Sox team out of the bullpen. So would be good to see Aaron Bummer back sooner rather than later, although looks like we still have a little bit to go before we do see Aaron back at guaranteed rate field. Since it is a doubleheader today, the White Sox are allowed to add that 27th player for the doubleheader, and today it will be Davis Martin getting the call up from A Charlotte. Martin's been up and down with the White Sox. I feel like you see this press release very frequently on White Sox doubleheaders. It is Davis Martin getting called up to be that 27th guy. So far this year, Martin has made six appearances, three starts. He's been up with the White Sox four different times this year. One in three is his record, a four six seven ERA over 27 innings pitched, has 20 strikeouts. He's also worked five-plus innings in five of his six games. And that includes a career-high six in his last outing against the Guardians in game one of a doubleheader back on July 12th, not too long ago. And he's been pretty good in Birmingham as well. Five and four, a three six five ERA in 61 and two-thirds. Also has 78 strikeouts in 13 starts across AAA Charlotte as well as AA Birmingham. And speaking of AA Birmingham, we will talk with the voice of the Birmingham Barons, Kurt Bloom. That's coming up in just a little bit. He is on the call tomorrow alongside Len Casper. So let's get you your lineup in terms of announcers, what you're going to hear here 
on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox network. So for game one today, you're going to get Len Casper. You're going to get Connor McKnight. DJ's got the series off. For game two, you will get Connor McKnight alongside Steve Stone, who usually does the television call for NBC Sports Chicago. And then in the series finale tomorrow against Cleveland, it will be Len Casper alongside Kurt Bloom. You're going to want to hear from Kurt, a guy who has spent a long portion of his life with AA Birmingham, 31 years to be exact. He's seen it all. He's seen your favorite White Sox player go through the minor league system. He's seen your favorite Bulls player go through the White Sox minor league system in Michael Jordan. So we'll be sure to ask him for some great MJ stories. And it's all kind of full circle for him as well because one of the guys who was the longtime manager when he was with Birmingham was Tito Francona when he was with the Birmingham Barons back in the day. So he's got plenty of stories, and this is a really cool moment for Kurt, and we're looking forward to chatting with him in just a few minutes here on White Sox Weekly. Hey, Run Your Socks Off is back. Join us at Guaranteed Rate Field on August 7th for the Run Your Socks Off 5K presented by Planet Fitness. Racers will cross the finish line on the field and can head up to the concourse to enjoy a post-race party. Visit with vendors, enjoy the ballpark view, and more. All net proceeds will benefit White Sox charities. Learn more at whitesox.com slash run. We'll check in with Kurt Bloom when we return. It's White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. White Sox and Guardians with a doubleheader today. But tomorrow we've got a special treat here on the broadcast as Kurt Bloom, the announcer for the AA Birmingham Barons, will get the call to the big leagues, work alongside Len Casper tomorrow at 110. He joins us now on White Sox Weekly. Kurt, congratulations, and we're really looking forward to having you on the broadcast tomorrow. Tyler, thank you. And, you know, the um, really the, the great thing about that intro, you reminded me they are the Guardians. So <laughs> I've, I've been practicing <laughs> for a week. Don't say Indians. Don't say Indians. Don't say Indians. Just say Guardians. Just staring in front of that mirror all day, right? Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. I, I'm going to put a jar. I'm gonna put a jar between me and Len, and I'm going to say on the air, you know, whoever says the word Indians, you got to put a quarter in there. We'll see who, you know, see how far that thing gets filled up. Hopefully, hopefully it's empty by the end of the night. Yep. And Hey, you can always give it to white Sox charities. Am I right? That's what I plan on doing. All right. So give us the, the skinny here. What happened? Where were you when you first got the call that you were going to be calling this game tomorrow? I love it because Chris Quintana, uh, who I owe a, a thousand thank yous to as, as well as anybody else, he pranked me pretty good. Um, it was two Mondays ago where he sent out an email, and uh, and he had me convinced that the entire affiliates would be on, Charlotte, Winston, Kannapolis, and, and Birmingham. And he said, hey, this Wednesday, we're all going to Zoom. Everybody jump on, and we just want to find out the prospects and how things are going and all that. So I'm buying it. Yep, great. So no problem. So that Wednesday, I jumped on, and, and Tyler immediately, within two seconds, I looked, you know, I was looking around and just thought to myself, "Where are the other guys?" I said, "I can't be first. Now I didn't think much after that, but I just was kind of surprised. I mean, okay, so I guess in the middle of it, Winston's going to jump in, and then uh, um, Charlotte Canapolis, and you know, I'm on Central Time, so maybe that was easier. But 
And Chris, after that, was so, so smooth and so laid back that I couldn't tell you where he was taking me. And I rambled and rambled and rambled. And I guess he had enough of the rambling. And then he said uh, about two-thirds of the way in. And it was just, you know, um, how's Birmingham? And, and tell me some of your memories and things along that. Yeah, I, I thought we were stalling waiting for the other guys. Uh, and then he said, what are you doing on July 24th? And then I, I, um, I said, well, whatever I'm doing, I'm probably changing. Uh, I said, now nah, I looked at my calendar. There's nothing on there. What do you got? And he goes, well, You've been there for 31 years, 35 overall. We really appreciate your service to the White Sox and the Barons and our affiliate and the things that you've done and, and represented, and uh, you're getting called up to the big leagues. And um, I let out, as the tape will tell you, it's not exactly a Ric Flair, woo, um, but it's, it's a, <laughs> a hybrid. It's something along those lines. <laughs> so, um, And then I said, you know what, Chris, that's really cool. Um, and, uh, it was really, it was just listening to details after that. You know, it was really a pretty amazing moment in my life. Who's the first person you called after you got the call up to the big leagues? Well, it's gotta be the wife. I mean, that that's number one, if you're married, you know, um, and in typical wife fashion, and, and I'm sure you can ask every broadcaster out there. Um, my wife gets credit for, uh, Laura gets credit for a great line and she really doesn't understand what guys like you and me and Len and DJ and Eric, what we really do. It's, it's, she's been with me for 35 years. She doesn't understand. She goes, one game? That's what you're going for? She's had all those calls and all those emails. <laughs> I started laughing. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So um, she also, also, the day I got the first email from Chris, uh, my wife had labrum surgery uh, on her hip. So I think she was a little loopy about that, and we had a lot of other things. So I didn't really have time to get nervous or you know sweat or anything like that. Um, but I, I, I'm blessed in a in a sense that my family really, really doesn't know um, what we do and what we're trying to accomplish, and it keeps me the reason I say we're blessed because it keeps me grounded. And you know, you spend a whole year with Michael Jordan and. And does anybody really know or care or what that meant? You know, it looks good, sounds good, but your family's like, you know, what does it do for me? I'm like, okay, all right, great, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this We're talking with Kurt Bloom here on White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. He'll be on the call alongside Len Casper tomorrow at 110 against the Guardians. So how often have you been to Chicago and, and guaranteed rate field? For... The early part of my Barron's career, which is in the early 90s, I would say I had gone to Chicago five, six, seven, eight, nine times after the Barron season, uh, introducing myself and just really wanting to see uh, what it was all about. So um, so I would, I would say maybe, maybe about a half a dozen quick visits on my own, um, you know, getting a press pass from everybody and, and just shaking hands. Uh, and, and this was in actually goes back to John Rooney, Ed Farmer, and then a little overlap with DJ. And then a couple of years ago, um, I was able, fortunate, and asked to do a spring training game uh, on a webcast, and that was a lot of fun as well. And so I, I overlapped uh, DJ and, and, and Len. They were, I guess, coming in doing uh, doing a radio broadcast, and I was doing a webcast like the day before, day after, whatever it is. But uh, that being said, I have. Um, 
uh, a few of my former co-workers and media relations workers are based in Chicago. Um, and so that's kind of needed. We're going to have a little, little mini Barons reunion. Uh, three of them are running around the city. One works for the Cubs, one works for Northwestern. Um, and, and the other one is, is, is just in social media. So it's, it's pretty neat, pretty, pretty uh, exciting for them. I want them to be a part of it too. And, and that's what part of my message is, is uh, I want to share this moment. This is not about Kurt Bloom's journey. This is about a whole lot of people that have been there for me. And I just want them to, to feel like they earned and they uh, are a part of it as well. That's the best part of this job and, and this experience, too, is the reunion aspect of it. Guys that maybe you haven't lost touch with, but you don't see every day like you're used to. It almost feels like a college reunion, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. And in this case, um, I'm lucky because the White Sox are paying for me to travel and for me to, to, to stay in a hotel. You know, my high school reunion, I got to pay like, you know, an exorbitant amount of money, but this is a college reunion where it's on, it's on the, the White Sox. So I'm, I, that makes it even better. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And um, also, uh, you know, remember, I would say 60 to 70% of the White Sox players have come through Birmingham, including two-time rehab all-star Yasmani Grandal, who just got back. And uh, I've spent um, uh, really uh, some, some very quality time with him learning the aspects of catching and what it takes to prep for a game as a catcher. And it was a great conversation. And then on the other side, Tyler, it, it has to be part of my story. Uh, one of my mentors and one of my closest friends and a guy who means as much as anybody in the game and anybody in life is Tito Francona. And, you know, Chris could have offered me an opportunity to broadcast against the Angels, against the Tigers, against the Yankees, against the, the fill in the blank Royals. Mm-hmm. But it happens to be against the Guardians where the manager is a guy who is extremely special uh, in my life, and the hitting instructor uh, is the video coordinator, Mike Barnett. Um, we were, speaking of reunion, um, this is the Michael Jordan reunion tour because I was we just gonna were part say... of the, the Jordan crew. I, I don't know if local and Chicago media has picked up on that yet, but to me, that, that just put it, it the, those who know here, me, and, and knowing my relationship with Tito, they just couldn't believe it was the Guardians. Uh, and like I said, thank you for reminding me they are the Guardians. But uh, uh, their manager and their hitting instructor and me, we spent uh, four years plus together, including the Jordan year. So, uh, you know, this, this, is, this is great. This is even better than I think Chris could have even designed it and, and Eric and company. Kurt Bloom with us here on White Sox Weekly. He's the double-A broadcaster for the Birmingham Barons. He will be on the call tomorrow alongside Len Casper, first pitch at 110 right here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. So you're bringing up Tito. You mentioned Jordan earlier, and I'm just getting flashbacks to the last dance and everything because I remember seeing that section of it, and you've got Tito in it talking about Jordan and the baseball years. So what's your favorite moment, favorite memory, favorite story from the Michael Jordan, Tito Francona uh, era of Birmingham Baron baseball that the average White Sox fan doesn't know about? Oh, my goodness. The, the average White Sox fan might not know, but the average Birmingham Barons fan, and if you ever uh, had seen me or, or watched me speak at a banquet, they would know about the famous pick that I sent uh, uh, for Michael during a, uh, a three-on-three basketball game. <laughs> uh, it, it's my go-to story. Um, and I'll try to brief it. Uh, 
we, we have a lot of Sunday afternoon games. It's still light out in the summer. And that year, everybody teased him and asked MJ to come out and play with us. Um, you know, I'm talking about the Barons players and myself. And, uh, and Tito would play a lot with them as well. Um, so, anyways, one day in August, uh, he pulled up. Um, next thing I know, I'm on his team's three-on-three. Ball comes to him. I set a pick. He looks down on me. He's six six. I'm six foot. And he goes, "CB, I don't need this." Waved me off, and then, you know, from about thirty feet, switched it, and game was on. And that's 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 my go-to story. I'm sticking with it, and I was there to prove it. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So I have a question for you here. When you guys are picking teams, is Jordan a captain? When you guys are picking teams, no. Nah, <laughs> but I tell you what, he was picked first. He wasn't the captain, but he. <laughs> he was he was first. It just so I, I don't to this day. I wish, obviously, I had tape or, or, or some sort of you know. How did it break up that way? But it did. It was probably I think it was the players against uh, me, Jordan, and whoever else. Whatever this third party, whoever that other third party, it might have been another player, but I'm not sure. But that's it was more you know the Barons guys who were really really good athletes. Um, wanting to test Michael, and, uh, and, and that, that's how it happened. The Tito Jordan stuff, the Tito Jordan stuff, any of those stories, Tito will tell them better, but I'm sure everybody's heard from the last dance and the 30 for 30 from ESPN is um, the amount of Yahtzee games they played. And we're talking, and I was there because they kept me up. It's at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning, uh, rolling the dice and playing Yahtzee with Mike Barnett and – um, I, you know, I, these guys don't have an off switch. So, um, uh, everyone's trying to sleep and you can see a little light and you can hear the dice run rolling and, and MJ and Tito are going back and forth. I mean, it's so, so darn competitive. So four o'clock in the morning, they're playing Yahtzee. We might get off at a, a local, uh, circle K, um, you know, grab, grab some, some really hideous snack, eat, drink. And yeah, that's him. That, that's really Michael, you know, it's kind of, kind of surreal, but it was a lot of fun. What's that like? I mean, you're you're working in the minor leagues, but you've got the biggest star maybe in sports history on your team. And he's on your team known as the biggest star in sports history. It's not like this is his rise into sports fame and stardom. We we all can't really describe it in, you know, just one interview or a part of an interview. Um I was lucky that for me it wasn't year one with the Barons, and I was lucky that it wasn't my first year with Tito. So I remember Tito talking to me prior to the season. He just said, look, CB, you know, give it space. Be yourself. Be who you are. Um, you know, just don't, just, you know, don't be annoying. And, and, and what he was trying to say was, you know, you don't need an interview every day, and you don't need to just jump on if he goes 0 for 4 with four strikeouts and talk with him. Um, you know, and I still, of course, we all argue, and we, we will say, and back you up. This is the world's most famous athlete of all time. I, uh, obviously, we might be partial to that. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, what we got to see, and uh, Tito and, and Mike Barnett is, again, getting instructor, video coordinator, they'll tell you the same thing, is when you get inside that locker room, Michael really wanted to be just one of the guys, and he really respected the uniform. Um, and that was something that was so awesome to watch that the 25th guy on the Barons was as important as the first guy, you know, and he had dominated everywhere he had obviously at that point. So it was interesting for him to see the grind, something that he had 
uh, not that he didn't work hard, but but this is a different out. This this is taking him and putting him in a different world altogether. Um, and for me to observe it every day, uh, I knew that it would be something that for the rest of my life I would be asked questions. And and I've never written anything down, uh, Tyler, but it's all in my mind. And and all of us, the, the few people still around and still talk about it. There's kind of like a secret handshake and a secret smile and a little, um, you know, a little wink because we know what we went through. And ultimately, whether it's my game Sunday or the 94 season, it's about gaining respect. And that's so important. And that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. And I think I accomplished that. And, um, and, and that we'd have to ask, you know, ask Michael to get the, the thumbs up. But, you know, to have Tito and, and Mike Barnett do anything they would for me now means that, you know, we gained respect and we did things the right way. Uh, that, that was, uh, you know, it was a special, special year. It was, it was like uh, Springsteen, Rolling Stones, Beatles wrapped up into one, into a little minor league situation. And uh, we all, we all made it to the end. We made it to the finish line. And that was, that was really the best part about it is that we did it and no one, um, uh, there was no uh, controversy. There were no issues. There were no problems. There was no, uh, I'm, I'm quitting. I'm done. Or you know, I'm going back to basketball. It was all we, we tried keeping it all in house, and you know, without rambling too much at this point, which I am, um, we didn't remember this. We didn't have cell phones back then. No such thing as social media or cell phone, <laughs> and that made it easier. Yep. Absolutely. Kurt Bloom's our guest here on White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. He'll be on the call alongside Len Casper for tomorrow's season finale against the Guardians. Series finale, I should say, against the Guardians. So, Kurt, how emotional is this plane ride from Birmingham to Chicago going to be for you? I'm not letting it get that way Um, because, Tyler, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to be. This is the level that I, I... wanted to get to since I was nine. Um, I, I, I will look at, you know, I, I do have deep thoughts and, and, and I, I, I definitely, you know, go to a, an inner part of me, but I don't want to let it get too big. And I want it to be as if, and it's going to sound crazy, but I want it to be barons and biscuits, um, barons and smokies, barons and the rocket city trash pandas. Okay. The difference is the stadium is bigger and there'll be more people there. And I've used this a a few times. The legendary Bear Bryant said, act like you've been there before. And that's the approach that I want. When I walk in to the ballpark on Saturday, I want people to think, oh, this guy's been here. He he belongs here. This is what, you know, this is what he was destined to do. Um, I don't. I'm not going to take any further than that, meaning, you know, cry on a plane or, um, you know, uh, do anything emotional. It, this is what I want. Uh, this is what I wanted, what I want, and the where I want to be. So that's the way it should be. Have you had any interactions with Len Casper before? Well, this year and last year uh, through text. Um, never met him. And the really exciting part about it, um, I told M. ILB today, um, when asked me to describe Len, first of all, he's known, if I never met him, he's known as an absolute professional. I mean, I've been in the game 35 years, and you talk about a pro, a guy who knows how to do a game, radio and TV, and of course the, the, uh, the TV exposure. Um, and, and, and so that in itself is an honor. And then 
when I talk to people that know him, this is the real exciting part. They tell me he's even a better guy than he is a broadcaster. And again, that's something I want to take. I want to learn. I want to be a part of that. Um, that makes it so special, so exciting. Every broadcaster, every play-by-play guy that was ever on this planet, you name the sport, we all have egos. And we all want to be the man. Uh, but I've heard tremendous things about Lynn. Uh, and I understand that uh, Lynn and, and DJ, you know, gave a, a thumbs up, so to speak, and said, yeah, let's, let's you know, see if CB is available or something along those lines. Um, so I, I think that makes it even more, more, more exciting. You know, it, it, it's someone that I have had a um, social media texting relate, hey, you know, give them some information. When Lenine Sosa got called up, they asked me about how do you pronounce his name. Uh, when Davis Martin got called up right out of Birmingham, right up there earlier in the year, Here's his chart. Here's what he likes to do. Here's a story about him. Um, that's just, you know, shaking his hand and meeting him. I've never done that, but I'm certainly looking forward to it. Kurt Bloom with us here. And by the way, I will co-sign both of those on Lend. Tremendous broadcaster, but an even better human being. Uh, Kurt Bloom with us here on White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. He will be working alongside Len Casper on tomorrow's game against the Guardians. So, 31 years with Birmingham. Who's the Sox player that you saw come up through the Birmingham team and the first time you saw him were like, yep, that dude's going to be a star? You know, Tyler, I, I try to answer that with recent guys because I don't want to go too deep and too far back and say, uh, you know, you name, name somebody that the, 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 the new fan doesn't have any idea. They've never heard of fill in the blank. So, the two that are on this year's team are Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert. And the way to describe them, when they got off the bus, they were different. And, and that's a phrase that we use. When they got off the bus, they look different, they act different, they get into the batting cage, and things are happening, things are different. They get to the game, things are happening, and things are different. Uh, those, those are absolute no-brainers. And, and those are the two most recent can't miss, and I didn't. You know, I didn't have to be in baseball for a long time to tell you that Eloy and, and Luis were going to be big stars. Um, I am a very, very big fan of Gavin Sheets, and I saw things. And he is again a remarkable person. Uh, I saw Gavin Sheets every day in, in 2019, and I kind of wondered how he was below the radar. But the White Sox had just drafted Andrew Vaughn. And at the same time, Jose Abreu was, you know, coming off uh, two, three straight years of, of 3,100. So uh, it's fun to see. It's fun to see she's but But we in Birmingham knew he had the talent. Sebi Zavala's up there now. We saw the things that he can do. It's kind of fun to see him get his opportunity. Um, and then, of course, I mean, you know, Michael Kopech and Dylan Cease. And everybody I just mentioned, those guys, you don't have to be in baseball 35 years to know these guys are special. I mean, they, they're just, they get off the bus. Um, there are things that they can do on the field that everybody has to work a little harder just to be, you know, at their, at their best has to be, you know, on a super day and then on an off day for Cease and Kopech and some of the other guys on an off day, they're still better than everybody else. And that's, that's a blessing. That, that's something that was a gift. Kurt, appreciate you taking some time with us here on White Sox Weekly. Congratulations. Safe travels up to Chicago, and we look forward to hearing you tomorrow on the call alongside Len Casper. 
Well, Tyler, I, I can't thank you and Eric and, and the whole White Sox family, Chris Quintana, enough. And my, my only statement after this is I don't know how long your pregame show is, but it can't be as long as the answers that I've given you. You must have to extend this. You'll start this sometime. I'm thinking around 6 a.m. just to get to the 110 uh, <laughs> the 110 first pitch. But thank you, thank you guys for thinking of me. And hello, Chicago. We'll make it work, Kurt. Appreciate it. That's Kurt Bloom, voice of the Birmingham Barons. You will hear him on the call tomorrow alongside Len Casper. White Sox Weekly. We'll be right back. It's White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Tyler Rocky in for Connor McKnight. You'll hear Connor for both games today on the call. First game alongside Len Casper. Second game alongside Steve Stone. First pitch for game number one coming up at 1210. We've got you on the FanDuel White Sox pregame show at 1130. Hey, don't miss your chance to see world-renowned EDM artist Cascade perform at Guaranteed Rate Field on Friday, August 12th. The seven-time Grammy nominee and Chicago native will play a post-game concert presented by Tito's after the White Sox face the Detroit Tigers at 610. For more information and to purchase your tickets, visit WhiteSox.com slash concert. Let's take 10 right here for Station ID. This is the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. When we come back, you will hear from Rick Hahn. He had some comments about the White Sox and the state of the team after the first half. Also, what the trade deadline could look like for the Sox as well. That's coming up in just a little bit. If you want to hop into the conversation, 312-332-3776. White Sox Weekly. We'll be right back. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. Two games on tap today for the White Sox as they take on the Guardians. White Sox fell below 500 after the 8-2 loss last night. However, when you got that doubleheader, you do have a chance to get above 500 today. It would be the first time the White Sox would end the day above 500 since May 22nd. So almost two months ago to the day that the White Sox were last above 500. They've got a chance to do that today if they can sweep this doubleheader against Cleveland. Tristan McKenzie gets the ball for the Guardians in Game 1. Johnny Cueto going for the White Sox in Game 1. Then in Game 2, it'll be Lance Lynn for the Sox and Connor Pilkington on the other side for Cleveland. The 27th man being added today for the Sox is Davis Martin. So would not be surprised. I'm sure we'll see a lot of arms today. Granted, it's the doubleheader, but... I'm sure we will definitely see the likes of Davis Martin before he goes back down to Triple A Charlotte. Also, want to get you this as well. This is from Tony Larusa pregame today. He said, and this is coming from James Fagan of the Athletic. Aloy Jimenez's left hand is sore but playable and will start in Game Two. The question is where, as Larusa said, Jimenez is cleared to play left field and to run as hard as he feels he can. But that's a day-to-day consideration. He was not at full bore last night. So it will be a game. T- or Maybe you see Eloy in a pinch hitting situation in game number one, but you will see him in game number two for the Sox in this doubleheader. Again, no Tim Anderson also in game number one should see the full strength lineup in game two for today's matchup with Cleveland. Rick Hahn met with the media as he often does after the All-Star break, a long time off for the Sox. And there's a lot of questions about this White Sox team as we head into the second half. But the one thing that he kind of he, he reset where this White Sox team is. He's he's getting into what we saw in the first half from the White Sox 
he knows was not the White Sox that we expected to see. However, he went back, reassessed the expectations that the team has leading into the All-Star break. And look, we didn't meet our own expectations, much less those that were publicly out there for the first half. I think the more important part is where we sit now, as you asked. Look, we're, we're, we're fortunate that we're three games back. We're fortunate that we are relatively healthy right now. And we're fortunate that this team over the past six or seven games is, is clicking in a much better way that looks more resembles more what we thought we were capable of being. Obviously, we've got an important series this weekend. And you want to try to build off the momentum that we created over the last several games in Cleveland and Minnesota. But I, I view it as our fate's in our own hands. we got plenty of games left against the teams that we're chasing, and we've got the talent here to to play at the level we've seen over the past several days. Do that more consistently than not, I think we'll be in a good spot. But we've got work to do. So looking at the White Sox, leading into the All-Star break, you took five of six against divisional opponents, all of which were ahead of you in the division. You, you chopped into some deficits there. You went into the All-Star break feeling good about yourselves, what the second half could bring. Schedule eases up significantly heading into that second half. And hopefully you'll be on the right side of some health as well. Now, didn't get off to the greatest of starts, losing Luis Robert. He goes to the 10-day IL, retroactive to Tuesday. So you won't see Luis for the foreseeable future. However, getting back Yasmani Grandal, who I've talked about with Connor today, and if you missed any of that, go check out the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you get your podcast of White Sox Weekly. Yasmani Grandal is going to be a very significant part of this second half. He was tremendous after coming off of the IL last season. Some players, they just need a little bit of a reset, get their legs back under them, especially for someone who, like Yasmani Grandal, has battled knee issues in the past and plays a position that is very taxing on the knees. Now, he's DHing in game number one. Wouldn't be surprised to see him as the starting catcher in game number two. I think with Yasmani, one of those guys super patient at the plate, getting him back in the lineup and doing the things that he did in the second half of last season when he was at his healthiest will certainly help this White Sox team take care of the division. Now, the goal shouldn't be taking care of the division here because winning the division isn't something that's intriguing to me. I don't think it's something that's intriguing to the rest of White Sox fans. Heading into this season... Winning the division felt like something that was the expectation. Now, the next step for the Sox after back-to-back seasons of getting to the postseason is, all right, go out and make some noise in the playoffs. The White Sox have only won two playoff games over the last two years. And going out and winning a playoff series and getting deeper into the playoffs, especially now that there is the extra team added to the playoff format, is going to be extremely important to get this team on the track that this championship window is open and this is a chance to take advantage of those opportunities now as we head into the second half again fan graphs i checked this morning has the white Sox in the second half of this season going 35 and 34 the rest of the year that would put them at smack dab 81 and 81 81 and 8 you say what you want about the al central worst division in baseball one of the worst divisions in baseball wherever you put it 81 and 81 is not going to win the AL Central. It is in all likelihood not going to get you into the playoffs, even with expansion of the playoffs. However, 
I don't see this White Sox team as a team that's going 35 and 34 the rest of the year. I think they're going to be more in the neighborhood of 39-40 wins because of the way the schedule sets up for them in the second half of this season. You don't play a lot of very good teams. If you look, depending on where your temperature is with the Mariners, were they just a team that caught lightning in a bottle for 14 games? I, I think the Mariners are a good team, but outside of the the division, you're really only going up against three teams that scare you. Outside of the division, you got the Astros once, you got Toronto, and you've got Seattle. You're not playing anyone significant out of the NL the rest of the way. And, of course, you, you get a lot of games against divisional teams, so you get to cut into that divisional deficit. And you also get to play against teams like the Royals and the Tigers a fair amount in the second half as well. Now you're going to have to go out and take advantage of that. We saw at times in the first half where the White Sox did not take advantage of their schedule when it was presented to them. And we also saw times where you didn't think the White Sox might take advantage of a situation. And what do you know? They take two out of three from a team like the Yankees. They were very good in the first half against a team like the Tampa Bay Rays. They're going to have to continue to play that sort of baseball and take care of business. You know, one thing that you hear a lot in sports is, and it doesn't get a lot of credit, but I think it should be given a lot more credit, is that taking care of business. Sure, you're going up against teams like the Royals and the Tigers, not the strongest of the strong in all of baseball right now, two of the worst teams, in fact, in all of the league. However, there should be something to be said about teams that take care of business because that's what teams do. That's how you see teams like the Yankees, inflate their record to where they are. The Astros get above the 60-win threshold. The Dodgers, those are teams that take care of business against bad baseball teams. And you're going to have to see the White Sox do that in the second half if you want to see them get into the playoffs and make a little bit of noise with it as well. Now, what's one way to do that? Obviously, sometimes you need to shake things up a little bit. Sometimes you do need to go out and make a trade. Rick Hahn addressed what the trade deadline could look like for the White Sox and major emphases for the August 2nd deadline. Whether they're in it or not, never feels like they have enough pitching. And we're certainly not a, not immune to that, primarily in the bullpen. Obviously, Aaron Bummer is, uh, has been absent for a while and is starting to make some progress. And we do project him to return at some point, but that's not guaranteed. So I would say bullpen is probably the most obvious need. I think if you look at our offensive and defensive performance over the course of the year, the the performance out of second base and right field haven't quite been what we would would hope. That said, if you look at what Josh Harrison has done since June 1st and you look what Gavin Sheets has done since he returned from the minors, those both potentially uh, could be solutions there. So we'll we'll have to wait and see. So you heard it there. Relief pitching, and I think, I mean, there's probably a list of 15 to 18 teams that'll be in the market for relief pitching, especially with the way that playoffs have expanded this season. Every team's going to be in the mix for relief pitching, and Connor and I talked about it a little bit too. You, you saw the news with the Yankees and Michael King done for the season. That's just one more team that even the best of the best, even if you don't think you need relief pitching, there are still those teams that go out and make moves to acquire relievers. And the Yankees were a team that maybe didn't think they were going to go for a lot of relief pitching. Now all of a sudden, with the way that Aroldis Chapman has struggled, coupled with the fact that Michael King, 
who has been fantastic for them and, in fact, has probably been better than Aroldis Chapman. And I think a lot of Yankees fans at times have clamored for him to be a, a closer for them. Now that he's on the shelf for the remainder of the year, that's just another team that is going to be in line and competing to get some of these relievers in the market. It is certainly going to be a seller's market this year. When you look across baseball and the fact that there are expanded playoffs, you want to probably be the sellers. Now, that's not saying the White Sox should go out and sell off some pieces to try to maybe replenish the farm system a little bit here. That's not at all what's being said, but uh, the White Sox have a lot of competition to go out and get relievers. As for the other portion of what Rick Hahn said, maybe an outfielder in right field, maybe someone at second base, although he does like the way that Josh Harrison came along towards the end of the season. I would say this. I'm not breaking the bank to go out and get a a right fielder or a second baseman. I would probably do the same thing that the White Sox did last year. Now, did it work out the way the White Sox would have liked for it to, to go down last year? No. But I think when they acquired Cesar Hernandez last year, the practice in principle was right. Going out and getting one of the better second basemen who just, when he had a change of scenery, struggled once he came to the White Sox. But I think if the practice and the right situation comes along, especially if you can get a guy that's left-handed, if one of those comes along, that will certainly help this team because you're getting a little bit healthier with some of your left-handed bats. You're getting a guy like Yohan Moncada back a couple months ago, getting Yasmani Grandal back for this White Sox team. Both of those guys switch hitters that can do some damage on the left side of the plate. If you can find a third left-handed bat that you feel good about, I'm not saying it has to be an elite player, and I'm sure there's an elite player that's on the mind of a lot of White Sox fans that has all of a sudden entered his name into the market. We can talk about that in just a little bit. But if you can find the right fit, left-handed bat at either second base or right field, I think that would go a long way. And It'd be a guy that you'd want to be an on-base guy. So certainly someone with a good eye, a la Yohan Moncada and Yasmani Grandal, because getting those guys on base will set up this team for success because you are starting to see the power numbers get back to the level of expectation for the White Sox. Now, were they there last night? No. Not a lot of power when you're only scoring two runs. However... When you look at the what the White Sox were doing leading into the All-Star break, four of six multi-homer games, they were really starting to hit the baseball well and, and getting the ball out of the ballpark, which is something they struggled to do in the first half of the season. So if you can figure some of that out and you've, you're getting more guys on base via the walk, you're setting the table for some of your power guys like Aloy, like Luis Robert, like Jose Abreu, you're going to find yourself in a nice spot, I think, in the second half of the season. All right. Let's address the $440 million elephant in the room when we come back. Juan Soto is on the market, but should the White Sox be in the mix for a guy like Juan Soto? We will discuss all of that, and including some interesting notes from Buster Only about why the White Sox could make a little bit of sense for a guy like Soto. We'll talk about all that when we come back. It's White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network.
Wrapping things up here on White Sox Weekly. If you missed any of the show, check it out on the ESPN Chicago app or White Sox Weekly, wherever you get your podcasts. Tyler Rocky in for Connor McKnight. You'll get plenty of Connor today. He is on the call for both games. Starting with the first one, 12-10 first pitch. He'll be alongside Len Casper. Then for game two, it is Connor on the call alongside Steve Stone. Tomorrow's broadcast shuffle. We've got musical chairs across the White Sox network this weekend. You will get Kurt Bloom, the voice of the AA Birmingham Barons, getting his big league call. We had a fantastic conversation with him earlier. Check it out on the podcast, and he'll be alongside Len Casper for tomorrow's series finale against the Cleveland Guardians. Doubleheader today. I mentioned the first pitch for game one at 12-10. First pitch for game two coming to you at 6-15. Hey, join us for Family Sundays at Guaranteed Rate Field with tickets starting at $10 and parking for only $15. Bring your family out to the park for a day full of fun. Family Sundays are proudly presented by Coca-Cola. Visit WhiteSox.com slash Sundays to purchase your tickets today. So one of the things that's been on White Sox fans' minds ever since about, I think it was a week ago today, when the news came out from Ken Rosenthal that the Nationals had their $440 million contract declined by Juan Soto over the course of 15 years, and that Mike Rizzo and company are going to start to entertain some trades. Now... The first thing that, of course, goes into every baseball fan's mind, not just White Sox fans, but every baseball fan's mind is, can my team go out and get that guy? Looking at the way that some of this has set up over the course of the week, you've heard the reports. I think Bob Nightingale was on it first of the teams that have reached out. There are seven, a list of seven teams that have reached out to the Nats about a potential Juan Soto trade not featured in that list are the Chicago White Sox. So, looking at Buster Olney's article today on ESPN.com, what's next for Juan Soto, potential landing spots, the national strategy, and more. There is one paragraph in this article, and it's a great read on ESPN.com, that sort of stuck out to me and made me go, huh, the White Sox fit that. This is from Buster. If the Soto talks play out similarly to the trade that went down last year with the Dodgers that involves Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, then what will matter most in these negotiations is who Rizzo wants to augment the Nationals organization. The message that other clubs have gotten from Washington is that the team wants major league ready players, young players on cheap contracts who are already in the big leagues or close to making their debuts. The White Sox have a number of young players on team-friendly deals that are already in the big leagues. You think of guys like rookie contract-level guys like an Andrew Vaughn or guys on team-friendly deals like an Aloy Jimenez, like a Luis Robert, like a Tim Anderson. And again, I'm not advocating go out and trade those all of those guys or a portion of those guys to go get someone like Juan Soto. But Juan Soto certainly is someone that, for White Sox fans and for the White Sox organization makes a lot of sense. The question is, do you have enough to go get a guy like Juan Soto? Because of the fact that, A, it's going to cost a lot of prospects, and quite frankly, a lot of the White Sox top prospects are no longer prospects. They're now with the big league clubs, and as a result of that, you're not 
probably going to see the White Sox entertain moving a lot of those guys. I don't think that is the most appetizing thing for Rick Hahn and company because part of why you go through rebuilds and get and accumulate all of these high draft picks is so you don't have to trade those guys. I think Rick made that very clear a couple of times, most notably earlier this season when Andrew Vaughn's name came up in a lot of trade talks. And I said at the time it would be a big mistake to trade a guy like Andrew Vaughn. And I think we're starting to see that play out with the way that Vaughn has hit this season and been one of the White Sox best bats in the lineup time and time again. However, the calculus changes when it's a 23-year-old Juan Soto who you're not necessarily going to have to pay close to half a billion dollars for in his next contract. Because he has two more years of arbitration, theoretically, you would be getting, if your team is good enough, and you're not making this trade for a Juan Soto, I don't think, unless your team is good enough, you would theoretically be getting three postseasons out of someone like Juan Soto. And we saw how important he was in the Nationals' run back in 2019 when he was a World Series champion. That was sort of his coming out party and showing the world just how good he was. Obviously, people deep in the weeds of baseball knew who Juan Soto was because he was this top-tier prospect. They called him Childish Bambino back when he was in the minor leagues. And I think that if you have the chance to get a guy like Juan Soto and you're not completely mortgaging your future to do so from a prospect standpoint, I think there's players on the White Sox that you could be you could lay your head down at night and be okay separating if the return was a guy like Juan Soto. All 30 teams in baseball want Juan Soto. Only one of them is going to ultimately be able to have him. And hey, the deal might not even happen this year. Hey, Sox fans, join us for Southside Mondays presented by United Airlines on Monday, August 1st. Every Monday home game, watch the Sox rep the Southside jerseys and honor small businesses making an impact on the South Side. Each Southside Monday ticket includes up to $20 in concession credit added to your mobile ticket to purchase. Visit WhiteSox.com slash Mondays. It's going to do it for us here on White Sox Weekly. Thank you to our executive producer, Eric Ostrowski, as well as Charlie Bevins and our guests today, Connor McKnight and Kurt Bloom. White Sox pregame show is coming up next.